Welcome to Crime Time. You're listening to Leonetti's Detection Selection. Welcome to Crime Time, a weekly podcast discussing all things crime, thriller, horror, suspense, and mystery fiction. This is episode 21, season two. That guy is Eddie. Hello. I'm Lee. And we're back. Whoa, 21. Pretty good. Lots of fun. Oh, you did it. You went there. You I said did it. it. Yeah. 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 I think it'd be even better if I thought about these before we started. Yeah. That, you could do some research during okay, the week. Yeah. <laughs> think about what numbers rhyme with. Some wordplay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to live up to my, my name, you know, freelance pun slinger. Pun for hire. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out. Oh, oh, it's a real house of pun here at Crime Time Podcast. So this week we are going to be talking about Stephen Fry. I think he's a national treasure of the UK. Stephen Fry, what a guy. What a guy. What a guy. Amazing. You caught it. You I caught get, it. I'm in the flow. Lee has been playing some video games. It's horrible. It's scary. It's awful. <laughs> Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. <laughs> Get off the couch, Lee. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about context. Instead of reading this week, you thought to yourself, I'm going to turn on my Xbox. Yeah. And, and not read. I'm going to fire this old baby up. Right, right. Whoa. And uh, how was it? It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so take me through this. We've got Resident Evil 7. I'm seeing this Xbox One box here. I'm terrified. There's a terrifying looking spooky house. Um, You're not wrong, Eddie. I'm already afraid. You're not wrong. So it's called Resident Evil Biohazard. And I guess these were set, uh, they came from the films, right? Other way around. These games started yes. first and then the films yes. came. Wow. Indeed. Did not know that. Like Lara Croft. Wow. Yeah. Have you seen any of the Resident Evil films? I have. Uh, I kind of love Mila Jovovich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Is so... it because she's beautiful? <laughs> 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 or do you just really like her acting? No comment. <laughs> All right. Let's be honest. I love zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love... Mila Jovovich. Well, I love her haircut in, what's that movie where she has the orange bob? Oh, right. The Sixth Sense. No, that's not The Sixth Sense. Yes. No. The Fifth Element. The Fifth Element. You were they, so close. They both have yeah. Bruce Willis in them. In my defense, they both have numbers and Bruce Willis. No, we'll give you that one. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. No, yeah, The Fifth Element. Such a great film. We mm. should talk about that sometime. Sometime. Yes. So. You love zombies. I love zombies. I love Mila Jovovich. I'm not a huge fan of the fast zombie, which I feel like Resident Evil has a lot of. Yeah. I'm also not a huge fan of the kind of orc zombie, like the big boss zombie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... Yes, this is what this game has. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I feel like it's that same kind of thing as in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stay away. A literary reference right here. No, I, I am actually talking about the films. <laughs> you have hordes of orcs. But then you've got like the giant orc yep. kind of situation going on. That's, I think, the thing that I don't really love about Resident Evil is that you'll have all of these zombies and then all of a sudden you'll have this kind of like mutation guy who's like seven feet tall and has a chainsaw for a face. Yes, I guess it's similar to like Nintendo and the way that they run yeah, their game. So right? like you have the little guy, the little guy, the big guy. Right, yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit about how I came to this game. Tell me. So you know that I love, I love Xbox. 
Right. I okay. love Nintendo. This is news to me. I love horror. I love yes. video games. Okay, yeah. And then I just, I don't, I've never seen a Resident Evil film. I've never played the game before, but wow. I saw how scary it looked and, and see how it says biohazard. Right. That's yes. my scariest kind of concept. Right. Okay. That um, there'll be some kind of epidemic or something, but right. it, it's like a biologically, I don't know. I just hate right, it. It scares right, the right. crap out of me. You're scared of contagion. I'm scared of contagion. Yeah. Right. So I picked up this game. I bought it ages ago and it's just been sitting in my house and I haven't played it. And I thought, what better to do on a Saturday uh-huh. Then play Resident Evil Biohazard. I mean, it makes sense to me. This is the scariest game I've ever played. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's just, let's talk about this for a second because I feel like you've played some pretty scary games. Like you love a good scary film. I do. And you kind of came onto the horror game genre being like, oh, this is ideal because it's like a horror film, but I'm in it. I'm the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. So you've played. Tell me, tell me some other horror games okay. you played. So I, I was always a Nintendo guy, right? And they aren't particularly scary at they all. They are not. They're like kind of like kids games. Not really. I love right. them, obviously. But compared to Biohazard, Resident Evil, I mean, it's whole a different, different aesthetic. kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So then when I got an Xbox, I was like, the only games I want to play are scary games. Right. So someone. You weren't keen on Halo. I wasn't keen on <laughs> Halo, but I love like Evil Within. Right. I've okay. got a few different zombie games. And then I came across this one, chucked it in. It was yeah. it was bright sunny day. It really hones in on the thing that I find scariest. So you okay. know we talk often about how oh we went to this horror movie and you were like wetting yourself like in yeah. fear. Yeah. And I was just like not. Yeah. I but- mean I, I think that's a frequent <laughs> theme that you personally bring up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. I think that might be because we've never gone and seen films together that actually. Ugh, really Creep get to out. me right and those kinds of films are things like texas chainsaw massacre right okay and i'll tell you why i am so creeped out oh and like the hills have eyes oh i haven't have seen you... either okay. of these all right they have a very similar theme in that they have like this crazy family that live in some old ran rundown mansion uh-huh. or whatever and they're probably cannibals so they're probably okay. eating other okay. people and they're very violent uh-huh. and very mean mm-hmm. and they just want to hunt you and kill you and probably eat you but okay. like torture you and like really scare the shit out of you first so what I'm getting here is that you don't like meeting the parents. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that's accurate? I'd say that's accurate. <laughs> Not, I love parents. I'm such a good parent guy. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. I'm a shit parent guy, man. I don't believe it. No, not not everyone is so susceptible to the Eddie chair. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I hate in horror films. It really, really scares me. Coupled with the violence, like what mm. you were saying, like the chainsaw and the yeah. really graphic, brutal gore. Yeah. And this game is just completely that. Wow. Do you want me to tell you how it starts? Tell me. Set the scene. Okay. The first thing I get is a video right. from my wife. Okay, so you receive a video. Receive a video. On, like on your phone, as a videotape, like, on a USB. No, like, like she sends it to my computer. Right, okay, yeah. okay. It's not like a courier pigeon. No, no, it's not a courier pigeon. No, no. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. But no, it came through my computer and it's just her off somewhere babysitting for a family. Okay. And she's like, can't wait to get back to you. Love you. And then the So new- far it sounds like a beautiful... Romance. Romance. It's like the notebook. Yeah, okay. Not my go-to, but all right. <laughs> and then the next video I get is her being like, don't come here. And she just looks completely different, like kind of like zombie-esque. Oh and it's gosh. all dark behind her and she looks terrified. And she's like, don't come here, blah di blah blah 
So obviously you go. Well, I wait three years. I don't know why. There was no explanation. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no like press X to go find your wife. It's like press X to wait three years. I think maybe like maybe the cops went down or I might have gone down, but she was not. I couldn't find her. Right. And so then the next thing I'm driving Uh through like the country or something and okay. I call my mate and I'm like I got a video from her <gasps> she's alive and my mate's like mate it's been three years I don't know if you should Ooh. be doing this and I'm like no way heck yes I'm going and I was like damn straight right okay so you're on board here. I'm on board of course if I got a video from my girlfriend I'd be like I'm coming right okay three years or not <laughs> I feel like for you, I don't know if you would have stopped at any point. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You would have been like Terminator, like unstoppable, yeah. kind of like. <laughs> I get a bit obsessive, don't I? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a good, th- well, I think that's a good thing in the context of saving someone. Yeah, someone gone missing. Yeah. So I drive up and I can see this huge, it looks like to me, like some kind of old school mental asylum. Okay, right. And, a very I, classic scene. Classic. But I can't get in, so I have to like go this other way and I end up in this like guest house. Guest house? Yeah, like this rundown, scary guest house. Okay. And I walk in, it's very dark, I've just got like a light from maybe my phone. Wait, so it's not like a guest house that you... Can... I, can't, I like... thought you like ended up at like a, a bread, and, be- no, bread no. and breakfast down the road. Nah, there, there was no resting or food. Right, okay. There was lots of like intestines and shit Ew. in the fridge. So you have to go through and inspect everything. And there's just, it's just disgusting. There's flies everywhere. There's bits of entrails and it's Ugh. just, you know, you're somewhere bad. Right. Yeah. But you've got this video. You can't be giving up I can't. Hope. I can't give up. I have to keep Whoa. going. So I like start inspecting this house. It's very creepy. You can hear people walking about, but you can't see anyone. The next thing I know, I found my wife. Oh, wow. She's that was like, quick. She's like chained in some room. I unchain her and then she turns into a zombie. No! Yes! Oh my goodness. Ugh. Oh, true love slips through your fingers once again. So I have to deal with her. Wait, deal with her? Well, I have to like kill her but then she just keeps coming back to life oh my it's gosh. terrifying the next thing i know i'm bound and sitting at a table which is my worst nightmare right yeah bound. not a not a fan of the dinner party not a fan of the i have social anxiety eddie <laughs> <laughs> you're like look it's fine you want to murder me not at a dinner table <laughs> and they're calling me like a new member of the family creepy and it's like this head honcho dad he's got like this two weird children I don't know there's this old woman that doesn't speak on the table in front of me is all this like blood and guts and bits of liver and just like I imagine that they're body parts yeah and I it's imagine so. terrifying horrible and I have to like escape but they're just so close on my heels oh. and they're so violent he's got like a chainsaw <sighs> and so it goes from there it goes from there I, I can't believe that this is like I don't know, like, what is this, the first 10 minutes or something? Yeah, this is like, well, for me, it took me a few hours to get through this. Right, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> but we're, not absolutely- all pro <laughs> we're not all pro-gamers. We're not all pro-gamers here, it's, you know. But oh, if you like this kind of thing, if you like horror, being scared, thriller, yeah. action games, this is a game for you. But Amazing. it's terrifying. Have you ever played any Silent Hill games? I haven't. They are pretty scary. I remember I played, uh, I forget what it was, but it was the one for the... Uh, PlayStation Portable, mm-hmm. the PSP, as oh, it was I had one of those. Called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the classic Silent Hill game is you're walking through this absolutely abandoned town, but every now and then you run into a person, but then they disappear, but then they reappear, and there's all this kind of weird stuff going on, weird like 
sirens going off and mm. like things changing and then monsters appearing and it's really creepy but the thing that this game did was every now and then you'd have a flashback scene to you sitting in a therapist's office mm-hmm. and the therapist would ask you to do a task like draw a picture draw a house mm-hmm. color in this picture pick a drink that you would have on a on a holiday or something like that that sounds scarier than the first right (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the game would then take the things that you did Mm. and change the storyline based on how you answered to best get inside your head so if you said you would like to have a scotch or like a beer with a friend you might run into this person you know some person in a pub and they would seem really friendly and really you know open and 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 like you could trust them or maybe you drew a house in a particular way and you i don't know meet this child or something like there was all of these kind of layers and getting into your head yeah yeah so that was pretty scary i will not lie i did not finish it (laughs) but yeah how many so so far you're you're not too far in i'm not too far in you're being chased i've killed a few people zombies i don't know what they are they're like some combination of person, zombie, and, like, machine. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Does it have that hiding element to it? Not not so much. It's not so much, yeah. Right. There's lots of games that I've played where I've had, like, like Evil Within, you have to, like, uh-huh. hide in a locker and wait for them to pass. Oh, that's always so scary because you can hear the yourself yeah. breathing. But in this game, there's, like, less anywhere to hide and more you're just running away from the person. Just forever. Forever. It's oh. terrifying. Oh, gosh. I remember when I was a wee bear mm. and I used to play Diablo, mm. which some people might remember, others might not. It's a RPG kind of a thing and so just for people that might not know it's, role it's a, player it's a role-playing game yeah and it's like top-down view you have your little character running around a dungeon and that kind of thing and there was this one baddie called the butcher mm. and he happened on like the second level of the game so he wasn't even like the big bad yeah but for me he scared the shit out of me mm. so you'd go down and you'd see his room and his room is like full of gore and shit and the second you open the door to his room, you just hear this like, oh, fresh meat. No. Right? It's That's stuck terrifying. With you. It stuck with me and I would just scream <laughs> and just like run. But you can't run in this game. So you'd just be like walking, yeah. like power walking along. And I'd be there like, no, go, go, go. It's such an intense experience. Yeah. I mean, I've I've always played, as I said, Nintendo games, but oh, very different to some kind of horror thriller game. Like, this game is rated R, and if there was anything that it could be rated higher than R, that's what I would give it. <laughs> oh, terrifying. Look, I, it, look, if you're really into this thing, it's like five out of five. Right, It's right. great. But if you're not... <laughs> but I'm a bit terrified of it. I'm going to keep playing it, because yeah. I can't say no to gore and sure, scary sure. horror, but... How many Bowsers out of five would you give it? Look, five. Right. It's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, check it out, guys. Resident Evil 7, Biohazard. Boom. Ruin your life. Tidbit. I think it came out last year. So it's going down in price a little bit. Hello. That's when I got it. So check it out. Yes. So Stephen Fry. What a guy. Fill us in. What happened? What's this? What book are you talking Ooh, about? Okay, so this is actually his debut novel, I believe. Uh-huh. It's it's pretty great. So it's called The Liar. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to you personally, Lee, because I know you're not a huge fan of the unreliable narrator. True. So The Liar features 
a character whose name is Adrian Healy, and he's... I really like the name Adrian. Adrian's a good name. Yeah. yeah. It's a trustworthy name. Yeah, I like it. But we can't trust this Adrian. Because he's a liar. He's a liar. <laughs> so we have a, a third-person narrator. So it's not narrated by Adrian, but there are entire chapters of this book that you kind of get to another point in the book and you realize, oh, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen at all. Then why bother reading it? (laughs) Because it's a romp. Okay, okay. what I really like, and I've talked about this um, show on our show before, it's called The Affair. Right. It's a television series. And it's about, essentially about a couple having an affair. It it broadens way further out than Uh that. And I was captivated by it. But what I really liked about it is it tells the same episode from different perspectives. So you'll see number one character's perspective. And then in the next shot, it'll be number two character's perspective of that same event. But the way that it keeps it so interesting is because it's so different. Mm. And I get that. I get that your perspective of an event is going to be maybe very different to someone else's. Yes, but if the whole thing didn't even happen, <laughs> it's like just two chapters of a dream. I disagree. So for me, if something didn't happen, it's really interesting as to why it was included. Mm. Why did this person suggest that something happened? Why did we? Why were we led to believe that this was the case when it wasn't? Mm. I think it adds depth. Okay. But I think it, obviously sparingly, like I don't want to read a whole book, get to the end and it's all a dream. <laughs> I hate Like that. that's bad. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I used to do that as a kid all the time because you write yourself into a corner. I'm looking at you, Rosemary's baby too. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretending that never happened. It didn't happen. It was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> so... Basically, Adrian is, uh, I mean, he's an odd person. He, he's, um... Well, he makes up stories, for one. Uh, for one, yes. So he's a public school boy, which in the UK means a private school boy. It's just a mess, isn't it? It's confusing. Yeah. It's confusing, guys. A posh school, right? So there's just all of this stuff. Like, it, it goes from his school years to, I guess, like, college or university age. And there's all of this stuff, like maybe there's espionage happening, maybe there isn't, maybe a murder has taken place, maybe it hasn't, maybe he's done these sorts of terrible things, maybe he hasn't. Like, there's a lot of this kind of uncertainty about it, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. It does sound actually very interesting to right? me. Right? As soon you. as you said, I love that age bracket of, um, like, boarding school, young college mm. kind of time that is confusing, and I can understand why there would be more... Um, unknown kind of information if that makes sense yeah absolutely and so this is i think this is not the first page i think it's meant to be the back cover but it's in the in the page are you saying there was a fault in the printing no 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 i think it's it just comes before the who knows anyway Anyway, so this is so it says you have a fine brain a really excellent brain mr healy thank you a fine brain but a dreadful mind so yeah that's kind of gives you an idea of it and then we've got the first page here that says not one word of the following is true that's interesting it's really interesting and i think the thing that i really enjoyed about it is a it includes a lot of those kind of semi-autobiographical elements of stephen fry's um, life that you kind of get if you read his memoir as well and you start to see these kind of 
similarities. Like both of them are young gay men who uh, went through the public school system. Both of them had this kind of troubled life, strange relationship with the truth, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 witty, it's scary, it's funny, it's disturbing. I think for me, I got to give it four stars. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna have to pick that book up. Well. Let me pick it up for you and hand it to you. Thank you. Cool. So four stars. Four stars. Good one. Boom. Stephen Fry, The Liar. Check it out. I know I will. Yeah. And Stephen Fry is quite a good author, I think. He's heck famous. Yeah. Mm. I think just his love of language Mm. is something that I really love. He doesn't shy away from a pun. And I, for one, am glad of it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk a little bit about text. Text message, text to speech, to speech, context, Ooh. subtext, Ooh. intertext, contextuality. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the greatest introduction. I'd like to apologize. <laughs> we can come back from this, <clears throat> hopefully. So we were talking about this before we started recording today, and we both because uh, got- sometimes we just sit around and we're like, what's What's context? What is what is context? And then we just talk about it. Just say yeah. that back and forth for a few hours. And it's one of those things where you say a word so many times it stops meaning anything. It becomes sort of a loose synecdoche for everything. And No, I'm joking. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to give you a little bit of context, before we started the recording today, we were talking about what the difference is in contemporary literature, in contemporary crime, horror, thriller, suspense, spy-fi, all of these things that we absolutely love. I'm nodding. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you hear can't it, but see. the nod yeah. is... Whew, yeah. It's there. It's like I'm saying, yeah, it's exactly what we we're talking about. Yeah. Keep going, Eddie. It's so true, yeah. Eddie. Yeah. Um, You're a genius, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we love these genres. A lot of the books that we review, we are often really excited about that they bring new things to these genres, that they bring new ideas, that they really address stuff that's really relevant to us now. Yeah, and I think we've been doing that a lot in the last few weeks. We've been talking about Ian Ryan's The Student, which tackles like drug use in regional areas, Mm, etc. We're talking mm. about Sarah Bailey, her interpersonal conflicts, being a complicated character. The idea of hope in Australian literature, you know, all of these sorts of things that are new to us, I think, or maybe not new, but like innovative. Innovative. Yeah. Yeah. So we were thinking about that and thinking about, is that present in books written, you know, last century, the century before that kind of thing? And I had to ask Eddie because I haven't read any. (laughs) (laughs) Not entirely true, but kind of. You know, you got the liar there. That was written last century, so uh, boom. I really do think that it's about context. Mm. So I was, as we all know, if we've been long-term listeners of Crime Time, that uh, I spent a very long time reading Les Mis by Victor Hugo. We all had to endure it. (laughs) (laughs) No one more than me. Yeah, in the back of Les Mis is probably a good few hundred pages of notes. Mm. So when you're reading it, there'll be a little little footnote thingy and I'll just flip to the back and see 
what it says. And it'll say something like, oh, this is a reference to uh, an archdeacon who at the time had some kind of controversial uh, statement about something else. People who were reading this at the time would have understood this reference and would have seen this as some kind of social commentary. But Eddie, you would not understand this reference. I would not understand that reference because I was not alive in 19th century France. So it's contextual. It's contextual. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about this, like we've reviewed a lot of kind of classic crime, classic spy-fi, that kind of thing. Um, The one that really springs to mind is John le Carré's The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. Mm -hmm. And for me, reading it at, you know, last year, at at the beginning of last year, Mm. it was, you know, it was a really interesting book there was a lot of tension. There was a lot of, well, not a huge amount of action, but some action. But the kind of paranoia about the Cold War, for me, just wasn't as present as it would have been when this book was written. Yeah. Might be a different story reading it now. I know. Right? <laughs> Gosh, what the heck is happening? I think that this book, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, in the original context that it existed, would have really addressed these, you know, paranoias, these anxieties in the society at the time. It would have been more of a, I guess, I guess my issue is, okay, so I think for people reading it in the time, it would have been more of an intimate experience. And I feel reading old, old, old crime fiction, when I say old, I'm like saying maybe like 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, it feels a bit cold to me. Yeah. Um, So I don't, I don't get a really um, great sense of the characters or the interpersonal dynamics or relationships, which I really treasure in the crime fiction. I'm reading now so I want to know about people's um, uh, messiness and Mm, their drug use and their mm. relationships with each other and their sexuality and all of that I just feel like it's sometimes missing from older books but I think what you're saying is so true yeah there's probably so much stuff that I'm not picking up on yeah I believe it was last year for a guess along segment we read Nio Marsh's A Man Lay Dead did it was good it was great it was a great book Mm. but there was you know this affair that was going on that in a contemporary book would have probably been a lot messier. Yeah, and um, we would have had more of an intimate glimpse, I think, Mm. into the process of it. Yeah, but I think there's also things going on in this book that we would have noticed had we been contemporary to it. Mm. So this was published in the 30s. Mm -hmm. Looking back on it, once I knew about the affair, I could see the discomfort between the people, you know, in in that situation before the affair came out. Yeah. But I think that had I been, you know, contemporary to this book, had I had the sensibilities of someone living in the 1930s, I might actually have picked up on that discomfort before it was told to me. True. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's almost like this uh, clue or even a red herring that I wouldn't have seen, well, that I didn't see because I was not contemporary to this book. So it's kind of about context, I guess, but also like subject like your position. Yeah. So I'm thinking of Patricia Highsmith. Yes. So it was turned into a movie called Carol, but it was originally a book called The Price of Salt. The Price of Salt. And I haven't read that book, but I saw I the have. film. It's I quite bet good. you have. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have it and I want to read it. I haven't gotten to it yet. It's but really good. I think we saw the film together. Yes. And when we watched it, the the understated uh, affection or tension between the two main characters mm. was so apparent to us. Absolutely. But a lot of people reported on that film that, that they missed it completely. Yeah, they felt that it was really cold. And I think it was so interesting because when you come from a particular experience, that experience really resonates with you and you can see it. And I think that, And yeah. it forms the way that you might ingest other stuff absolutely and this is something that so record scratch sound 
I know we're all shocked, but I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. <laughs> so uh, something that I think about a lot is liminality. I don't even. So I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Crime time, more like boring time, more like school time. <laughs> so I'm probably going to do a shit job of explaining this, but basically, that's liminal, all right. Whatever. <laughs> basically, a liminal space is the space between the audience and the text. So if you think about it, like if you're in a theater and you're watching a play, the space between you as the person in the audience and the play happening on stage is a liminal space. So we're not talking about the physical space. No. We're talking about something a bit something deeper Something a bit there. deeper. Yeah, yeah. So when you're reading a book, you can almost think of it like a collaboration between you and the author. Because mm. the author set these words down, but you're the one reading them. You're the one interpreting them. And that collaboration is how you form your view of the story. It's how you picture characters because an author will describe a character in maybe two or three lines and then you you bring the rest of that. And that's what I love about media because we can we, it's not just like a top down we just ingest whatever it is like we have a relationship with fully, that text and we can fully. it becomes whatever it is to us it doesn't have yeah. to be one thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like what you're saying about Carol is that like for you and also for me like watching that there was this experience where we brought our experience to this film and could really see a particular thing because of our like lived experience and other people came to that film without that lived experience and were like oh this reads is really flat to me yeah and i think that the same thing is true in 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 reading literatures from other time periods from other countries from other perspectives you know we only bring what we know Mm. and sometimes maybe we need footnotes yeah yeah (laughs) i think it's really fascinating because for example you've got christelle thornell who wrote on the blue train Mm -hmm. which is a kind of speculative mystery about what happened to agatha christie when she went missing for 10 days but is she writing about you know the the 19 I'm going to say 30s, <laughs> 1920s. Is she writing about the 1920s or is she writing about now yeah. using the 1920s? Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's complicated. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, like, the thing that I really love about all fiction is the way I can read something and you can read something and we could be reading almost two completely different books. Yeah. And that's why I love doing this podcast because we get to hear from so many other readers who, you know, say, wow, what you said about that book, I really disagree with. Yeah, and, yeah. and this is my thoughts on it. And, you you know, you get to have these conversations where someone's saying, I actually read it in this way. And it's this whole new, I guess, like layer for reading. And mm. I think that that's just like, oh, mind blowing. I'm just getting, I'm getting <laughs> sappy. I'm getting weepy. Yeah, and I swept love it. away in it. Oh, we... so dear listeners, <laughs> please tell us your thoughts. Yeah. And we have to wrap up, but you can get in touch with us via Twitter at Crime Time Pod. You can chuck us an email at crimetimepodcast at gmail.com. You can jump on our website, pop some comments on this very episode, crimetimepod.com. Yeah. Get in touch. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us your feelings. Send in a review. We might even read it on air. Do it. All right. Well, we'll speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.